Join Adam Carolla and his pal Jay Leno this October, along with fellow comics Alonzo Bowden, Harlan Williams, Carol Liefer, and Caroline Ray, together with some of the best writers from TV shows like Seinfeld, Friends, The Tim Allen Show, King of Queens, Two Broke Girls, and more. For a -a one-of-a-kind experience for aspiring comedians, comedy writers, and everyone interested in comedy. Hey, it's Adam Carolla here, and I'm excited to announce our first-ever comedy fantasy camp Thursday through Sunday, October 12th through the 15th in Hollywood, California. We're going to cover stand-up, improv, writing, podcasting, and more, plus a live performance at the famous Hollywood Improv on the final day of camp. So get your chops ready. Spend four days with me and some of the most successful people in the comedy business and get on the fast track into the world of comedy. Go to adamcarolla.com, comedyfantasycamp.com, or call 888-762-2263 to sign up. That's this October 12 to 15, the first ever comedy fantasy camp in Los Angeles with Adam Carolla, Jay Leno, and a host of comedy stars and TV writers. Oh, that's just me, Perez Hilton. Drinking all the tea that goes on in this world. And with the way social media is, I just can't get enough. I'm obsessed. It's like every day something new and scandalous comes out and I want it all. I'm the OG of entertainment gossip. And if you are like me and have an unrelenting thirst for all the drama that's flying around, you should listen to my podcast, The Perez Hilton Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded live at Corolla One Studios with Adam Corolla and board-certified physician and addiction medicine specialist, Dr. Drew Pinsky. You're listening to The Adam and Dr. Drew Show. Get it on, gotta get it on, no choice but to get it on mandate. Get it on. Adam away, Mike in the house, Dr. Drew here. Hey man, last time together. They gotta, they gotta help us reinstate Loveline so we can do more of this. It must happen. It must happen. Drew and I are trying to do it. Everyone here in the Austin area is pitching in. They're trying. They're like, we got studio for you here, Mike. Hey, we'd love to host you. We'd love to make sure. And, and by the way, we, we could do yeah. a million interactions. We could interact through TikTok and Instagram and phones and video. Oh, there's a million it's ways. It's a to, different world. Different world. Exactly. And we could not have, we, and we wouldn't have a boss. So all the shit that we'd really, really, really want to say that would probably be really, really helpful to you. We could all say that shit. Oh, that's interesting. We we won't be on no FCC, no distributor, no program directors, none of those things. That's the crazy thing about podcasting is that people don't appreciate with radio. There was so much infrastructure and regulation, and oh my god, there was you know teams of engineers and control you know t- transmitter towers, and then sales forces and administrators up the butt, and, and you know people. In the podcasting, it's hey, it's just us. <laughs> it's just not us well, in the and the audience. Even, even like like and on a smaller level, to and I don't mean this in a denigrating way. I mean it just from from reality. It's like most people don't have the experience of working in an advertiser based world. Mm. Um, here's a perfect example. Uh, I've been very open about being in recovery and and alcoholism and drug addiction. Absolutely destroying my life, and I'm by, by the grace of God, I'm here today. And about a decade ago, this guy at K Rock comes to me. And he's like, "I nailed an Anheuser Busch Bud Light Budweiser 
ad campaign for you. Uh, and uh, we'd love it if you can run it. I was like, hey, man, maybe Beer Mug could do it because, like, he's Beer Mug. <laughs> but I'm on Loveline every night talking about, like, how I don't drink and it's really hard. And I alcohol killed me. And, like, there's probably young kids that listen that struggle that maybe look up to me. And I can't go pepper that with, hey, and here's Psycho Mike to tell you why Budweiser is the best, yeah, you know? yeah. And he's like, I don't get it. No, what do you mean? This is this is a this is a hundred thousand dollar campaign. And I was like, I yeah, but can someone there's plenty of jocks here. Can someone else yeah. he's like, No, they wanted you. I was like, I understand, but I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. I just don't think it's appropriate. And they're like, what do you he was so bent out of shape? I was like, mm. you know, and like in a podcast world, you just don't worry about that. I'm like, Yeah. It's none of my business, you know? Yeah. Wow. It's none All of right. my concern. I didn't know that happened. You never told me about that. That's interesting. So, uh, how do you, do you talk about your recovery with your daughter? She's how old now? Like 10, 12, how, nine. Oh, nine. A- and do you, does it come up? Does it, have you thought about it or is it? Yes. it I, I took as much as I like to bitch and moan about my parents and there's plenty to bitch and moan about. Um, one thing that they did do was they never talked about adult shit. Like I was a kid, even when I was really young, mm. we had this gay friend, a family friend. And his name was Tom. And he had a boyfriend at the time. His name was Jerry, which I thought was the funniest shit. Tom and Jerry. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were talking right in 1984, yeah. 1985. So like even having gay family friends, it was like, it was pretty, you know, it was pretty out there. Um, And I, uh, I remember he showed up to like, I think it was, I remember it was hot as shit. So probably it was like 4th of July. It was like a family event. Before you finish, let me interrupt you. I, when, when in 84, I worried about every gay friend I had getting through the AIDS well, epidemic. And let me, I'll dovetail this story with, with exactly that. Okay. But um, he, he was holding hands with his boyfriend. And uh, my parents saw me see that. And I was like, what the fuck? Because I was I was five, you know, four or five years old, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I uh, my dad came over. He's like, you know how uh, mom and dad love each other. I go, yeah. He's like, well, that's how Tom and Jerry are. And I go, okay. Can I watch Star Wars? Yeah, exactly. You know, it was just like yeah. Uh, it was just like not another thing because I was young and yeah. and he very straight with me. Yeah, and I never to this day had any kind of weird feelings about the idea of sexuality in any direction because of that. Yeah. So I took that information and I kind of helped lead me with how I deal with it with my daughter. And about a, two years ago there, we were having a party at our house. Everybody's drinking beers or wine and the whole thing. And she said, uh, Papa, how come you don't have them? And I go, cause I can't stop. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, alcohol, you know how uh, alcohol, like Papa drinks coffee and I can't suck because I'm addicted to it. I was like, that's the way I was with alcohol. And it's way more dangerous than caffeine. And uh, some people have problems with alcohol and drugs and they they can't stop it. And Pop, I, your father is one of those. So I, I, I just don't drink it at all. And she goes, okay. And like, it was over with. Yeah. Whether or not I'll have that conversation, I'll revisit that conversation when she's 16 and is going to start probably trying drinking on her own, you know? I don't know. We'll cross our bridge when we get there. It, it is so generally what I tell parents is if you are a, a normie, just focus on your expectations for the child. Don't do not tell them what you did or did not do. Don't lie to them ever. 
but just you don't have to tell them what you did or did not do because doing so issues them a license to begin again right there. But when you're in recovery, it's important to discuss what recovery is and, and the illness. So it really does become important for you to, to to talk about what you had to do to stay sober, how it affected you. I, I think not not shove it down her throat, but in a you sure. know sort of a casual manner, keep 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 the information going. It, it is important because yeah, and well, I and I have found I have found universally uh, if if the child gets the gene and if the gene gets expressed, the number one thing and how that goes is the parents recovery. If the parent's yeah. in recovery solidly and talks about it, that child goes for a minute and then stops and then goes into recovery. Right. So, well, I getting back to the gay community in the eighties. Yeah. So now I'm like in eighth grade mm-hmm. and this guy comes back over to my parents' house and I'm a little bit older and a little bit more aware of just kind of social. What's up? Just what's up? Social ideas. Yeah. yeah. And also like uh, current events. We're sitting at the kitchen table and I was talking to him and we got brought up AIDS. Now, yeah. by now, man's in his 50s. He's a grown, grown man. Yeah. And he said, everyone I know is dead. Yeah. And I never forget. I'll never forget that. This is probably 1991. Yeah. He's yeah. like, everyone I know is dead. And it was like, sometimes it was a week. Sometimes it was six months. But it's just like, I knew you and then you were gone. It it was. I'm glad you were exposed to that because I'm getting chills when you say it because it was horrific. People don't get how horrible it was. They're so freaked I, out. I, I really don't think you can try. And you, I, I think maybe people have probably have the best of intentions. It's one of those things like 9/11 the other day. Trying to talk to my daughter about that. Yeah. You can't wrap your head around it unless you were there. Like yeah. how fucking crazy it was did you I'm, show her videos and stuff did, did she watch videos of all that stuff and that kind oh of thing? Yeah. yeah oh yeah my wife actually got way into like showing her actual video yeah, and she, yeah. my daughter was like i don't even understand how is like yeah. i think she still thought it was kind of like a movie oh yeah, yeah like yeah. The, that level of explosions and stuff yeah, i don't yeah. think she could wrap her head or, um, but i'm sure it's the same as like all my, my friends that are veterans try to explain war i don't get it mm-hmm. i don't get it because i haven't seen that um, and I, I think if you're 20 right now, you can watch a documentary. What it was like in places like San Francisco and Miami and Los Angeles, New York City During for AIDS. the gay male yeah. community was fucking crazy. Yeah. It was like The Walking Dead. It was like no, you're, and and it was no interesting. It was interesting. One of the differences between how physicians uh, acted in and around COVID was whether or not they were treating patients in the AIDS pandemic. Because oh, trust me, trust me. That was, listen, that had a 100% fatality rate, and it was an epidemic. Think about that. And in terms of years of life lost, vastly worse than COVID. COVID killed people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, lost a few years of life at about the same numbers as AIDS, with AIDS killing entire regions of young men. With 50 oh, yeah. years, 60, 70 years of life ahead of them. Tor- it was it's so horrible. And by the way, you know, one of the one of the documentaries on uh, Studio 54 brought it home for me where they were talking about the incredible artists and the lighting person and the musicians. And we lost them all. They're just gone. And people, 
I don't know. People because it was, you know, primarily at that point in the AIDS in the um, gay community, there was a lot of not giving a fuck. And I think today that wouldn't happen. I think people would give a fuck. Oh, today. yeah, it would be way different. But like, I think you're lying to yourself to say like we would. It's the same thing I said about uh, uh, I used to say about um, Hurricane Katrina. Where, you know, I went to New Orleans like like six months ago and there's still massive chunks of New Orleans that are all wrecked. Mm. And I go, it strikes me a little odd that hurricane hits Manhattan and in like 48 hours, everything's all fixed and billions of dollars are being funneled to it. Yeah. And uh, four black people get cracked with it. And it's like there's just decades of yeah. not shit not being fixed. And I, you know, it's 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 awful, but it, I think you're kidding yourself to say the same thing about the mid '80s. It was mostly killing gay dudes, and people are like, "Yeah, I know." What's what? What are we, what are we going to get all upset about? And it, it's why I got involved in radio because uh, Anthony Fauci at the time was telling us young physicians to get out there and talk about this. And when I came up on Loveline the first time in 1983, I'll never forget. I, I brought up H. I, we didn't have HIV yet. We were calling it HTLV. HTLV three, HTLV three. Uh, what about grids? I remember in the press we had just we had just stopped calling it grids and started calling it AIDS about a year before, uh, and I was just deep in it, lots of patients, and I brought it up on the radio, and people were like, "Huh, what?" Yeah, no one was talking to young people about it, which was a shock to me. So there we go. That's well, no what, one, no one really talked about gay stuff. Period. Well, you got to, yeah, I know. Listen, condoms. Yeah, that, behind. that wasn't. There was the, we we were the first people to talk about safe sex on Loveline because the, the term yeah. hadn't been invented yet. We were like, use a condom, use a condom. And he had to go. I was talking to a gay friend of ours. Uh, I don't know. He's a public person. I, I honestly don't know if he is open out or not, so I won't say his name. But uh. And he's older. And he was saying how, like, the community now, the young gay community, it, it's so hurtful to him because it's not a death sentence anymore. In fact, it's like a couple pills and you're fine. Right. So dudes, dudes are like so brazen about it. Oh, like I know. So well, you got prep abusive. and pep and prep and all this stuff to and prevent you'll it. You'll see on like a grinder, like guys will be like, I, I'm positive and like they, they almost wear like a feather hat. And he's like, it's so hurtful to me at my age because like I, I live through where yeah, ev- like no. everyone dies. Everyone dies. Yeah. And by the way, that was what gave me the faith that we would solve COVID in some one way or another because I, I was there when we opened the AZT boxes. I was there when we came up with these antivirals. And I I know how hard people are working and how, how the system responds when there's something like that going on. It, it, it was a defining experience for me. It really was. And, and again – so dark, so heartbreaking, and very few people got to witness it. Is your is your friend still around, Tom or Jerry or whoever that was? Oh, I don't know. God, he we're, he was in his forties in nineteen eighty something. Okay, so, so yeah, probably not. Yeah. I would imagine. Hey, let me take a break and talk about Simply Safe. Squeezing in one last summer getaway before you go. Protect your home with the latest innovations from Simply Safe Home Security twenty four seven live guard protection. Fast protect monitoring, simply safe agents deter intruders through smart alarm wireless cameras, warning them that they're being recorded and police are on the way. They've called, been called the best home security of 2023 with U.S. News and World Report. And of course, we've got Adam's got it. It travels with you when you move. It's easy to install, no long term commitments. And right now, our listeners get 20% off any simply safe system when you sign up for fast protect monitoring. Huge offer, limited time. 
It is simplysafe.com slash Adam2. Again, that is the number two, Adam2. Simplysafe.com slash Adam2. There's no safe like Simply Safe, and you will find that to be true. With Fast Protect monitoring, Simply Safe agents, they will deter intruders. Again, it's so easy to install, easy to, to uh, sign up, and easy to take with you if you move. It is Simply Safe. All right, so uh, I want to ask uh, – uh, I have a couple things I want to bring up. One is – the hell's going on with kratom? I I don't get it. What what is wrong with people and kratom? I they don't. I, how can a, a weak opiate be okay for people who with addiction, especially? I I'm just yeah. I'm so frustrated with that. And there and and of course because it's a weak opiate, people can get away with it for a while. But your disease will take take that on. It will it will it yeah, will go. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as drug addicts in recovery, that to me it's just like no. They're the ones doing. They're the ones often doing it. Often. They are, but I think the tide has turned. Oh, why? What's concerning part for me is <clears throat> people who live hard charging lives, athletes, construction workers, military cops, who are the ones who were ten years ago all going immediately going to Vicodin or Perks. Yeah. And now because you can get it at a gas station, they're all taking it and they're like, I don't care what you say, it's a plant and I'm and it's health and I'm like no, this can go back. This can and, I'm, get and I'm fine with it. I work fine. It, it helps me. It helps me. It helps me. Yeah. And um, again, it's like I, I hate I really guarded against being the guy who's a teetotaler and in recovery telling people how to live their lives. If you're a grown man, you want to do, do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. But I just don't like when there's dishonesty out there yeah. about like it being harmless. Is it would I rather someone take some Kratom, you know, have a have a, a slug of some Kratom drink that they get at their liquor store compared to take percocet fuck yeah. yes I oh mean. yeah hell yeah but yeah. does that mean i i'm on board with kratom no because there is overdosing there is profound addictive properties i mean profound um in, in we a weird a way that I'm, so i'm so i'm seeing now something i had not seen before which is kratom abuse not addiction so i'm seeing non-addicts using kratom but and, i've seen that with opiates i've seen that with opiates for quite some time non-addicts using opiates I've I the only drug I've ever seen are opiate based pain pills where clear normies get into addict territory. Different different thing. That's what I'm talking about. That that oh, is okay. that is what you call opiate dependency and and that's my yeah. profession that causes that. It's almost yeah. always started with a back pain whatever and, and got yeah. going. Yes, and they look like addicts except you get them off the drug and they reconstitute immediately and they're not and interested they can go in have doing a glass anymore. They're wine with dinner and they're like they're normal people again. Normal. You know? Normal. Uh, I'm talking about people that are non-dependent, non-addicts, using it almost like like alcohol or or what you know, cigars or something. Well, there's um, there's holistic health health people in the fitness industry that recommend doing just that. Well, it, like, I don't know what to of, do with that. I don't know if that's instead uh, of getting a hangover, just take one of these you know Eastern wind shots and <laughs> and you live and you can have fun and you'll feel buzzed and. You'll wake up feeling refreshed. Yeah, uh, I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. You know, it, like, when you weigh out drugs of abuse, I, the way the cannabis is going right now, I'd almost rather they do that than cannabis, if that makes sense, because of the power of the cannabis. But I, it's like weighing <laughs> dangerous things. You know, I, I feel weird. I don't like it. It's also it's my my feeling on hierarchy of controlled substances is yeah. the same thing on hierarchy of discrimination. 
yeah, when you have yeah. the the woman and the black guy and the Jewish guy arguing over who's more you know the trans person. Yeah, it's like oh, it's like what are we doing here? Like yeah, I, I'm sure it's all bad. Like why? I think this is a it, it, we're, we're, it's more we're making things worse than better. Yeah, you know when the when the because I saw it in the opposite direction in recovery. In the it's like oh. You have a problem with alcohol? I'm a heroin addict. You don't know. Oh, yeah. You don't yeah, know yeah. addiction, man, because I'm you're just a drinker or something. Yeah. And I'm sitting there in the back of the room going like, both of you shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's no upside to this, you know? There's a long history of that kind of stuff yeah. in uh, in recovery. You mentioned you're addicted to caffeine. I, I'm, I, I become more of a caffeine advocate, enthusiast, the more time goes on. If you don't have any anxiety problem if you if you suffer from anything or, or, or cardiac arrhythmias or, or, or there's an underlying cardiac yeah issue yeah then you are not included in this yeah. but outside of that if you're a healthy human um it's the best drug bar none <laughs> not even open for debate as far as upside and yeah. clear lack of downsides caffeine is the best drug there's no and all the all the claims of coffee being bad for you are all false in fact it's the most antioxidant chalk fill uh, antioxidant substance that most Americans take and reduce and Parkinson's risk, reduce dementia risk. That's been shown to be decline the case. in every yeah. form. Yeah. Uh, uh, heart health is showing. It's like, it, it's, it's really caffeine's best. The end. I was, I was listening to uh Mark. I think it was on, what's his name? He's a, he's an entrepreneur. I think he was on, is he with Rogan or, or uh, Lex Friedman? And he goes, my perfect day is, 12 hours of caffeine and three hours of alcohol. <laughs> I thought, eh. It's like, eh. Mine, mine's 12 hours of caffeine, three loads. <laughs> if I can drop three loads, have 12 hours of caffeine, life is good. So speaking of three loads, I, I, yeah. you were talking – we were talking the other day, uh, last episode, about, I don't know, making people laugh or something. And, and I was hearkening back to how I used to chastise women – for laughing at your horrible things, the things you would say and the things you would send. Yeah. And I would go, don't laugh at him. I, what is that where women laugh at men doing horrible, saying horrible things if they're attracted to you? They're attracted Maybe. to you. They give you a pass because they're like they, – that. not that they are, are in, have intention towards you, but they're like, oh, Mike, you're so cute. <laughs> and it's no, like, no, don't look, laugh look, at it. Your, your wife – who I am not just saying this to, to be your wife doesn't have any attraction to me. Your wife laughs at everything I do. Even when you're like, I've, I've almost oh, coached her it. out of it. I've almost coached her out of it. Cause she sees how it, how it amplifies the behavior. She, she listens to me and watches and then goes, Oh, I no, see. I'm, I'm encouraging you. him. You already have so, a daughter. You already have a woman in your family who doesn't put up on my shit. And that's your daughter. So well, don't try to turn your fucking wife to that side. Eat too. She, she does not put up with your shit. No one puts me in my place more than goddamn Paulina. <laughs> that's my favorite. Oh, so, uh, that's funny. Uh, but before you know, we're sort of sort of rolling towards the end of our week here. And one thing we have not revisited that I always like kind of going over is your drug history for people, so they just sort of understand how how d- tough it gets. And I, yeah. and I and I I I'm sorry to make you go over your stories over and over again, but I just no. think they're so uh, 
exemplary, and and uh, and to have this a mar- such a marvelous recovery is such an important thing for people to see too, because people see you now and they don't connect this to where you've been, uh, and sort of I was there when you were there. And even I didn't know how deep you were in it at the time. You were you you were, you were pretty good at minimizing and bullshitting and hiding a lot of it. Uh, are there as any, most addicts are? No. All, all addicts are. All, all addicts are. But but uh, and 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 I buy into it to some degree or another because you know because I'm a codependent. But I bought all the way in with you. I think uh, even though I could see there was you know real real stuff going on. Um, I mean, I think the the biggest thing I would tell people is like I started in in as pedestrian a way as anyone else. So I don't think you have to be, you know, Anthony Kiedis or Dave Navarro to become a real monster with drugs and alcohol. I started just like any other kid, you know, mom and dad's liquor cabinet when they're out of town in high school type thing. And because that my genetic makeup I'm sure there were certain social factors, but it it progressed to the point where I was overdosing so much that like I wasn't special anymore pretty quickly. You know, by the time I was legally able to drink, I was already I had already been in rehabilitation facilities and stuff like that. So um, well, and, and by overdosing, you don't mean just going unconscious. You mean being resuscitated, being resuscitated. Yeah, because I was always a stimulant addict. I, I really liked stimulants. Meth, cocaine. I love smoking meth. I love smoking cocaine. Um, but I, I never ha- fancied opiates very much. Oh, so lucky, um, lucky. Or barbiturates. But you or, were at the end there. You were doing a heroin, weren't you? That's well. That's what I was going to say. Is yeah. that once I got when I moved to the East Coast, I would start smoking heroin with cocaine. I would speedball. Yeah. And I, that was manna from heaven. I loved it so much. But that's when I started to really see, like the immediate immediate health problems you know the the overdosing and whatnot yeah um and uh you know i i genuinely wanted to die i mean i the existing was far too painful yeah to go on anymore i, I was just like every single time i would wake up in an ambulance or i'd wake up with someone pushing on my chest i'd be like fuck you know and yeah. and i i didn't i don't i think i acutely wanted to die because i would have killed myself but I, I definitely was not happy at the fact that I had to continue going on. Yeah. Um, so that's how dark it got, you know? Um, and uh, myself on a much lighter level myself, but also you, we, you and I both know the Bob Forrest of the world, yeah. the Steve-O's of the world yeah. where it's like, you may be listening to this or you may have a friend who could, you could show this to who you think is so far gone. There's no fucking chance. And believe me, there's no, no one that's too far gone. Yeah. And it may not be this time. It may not be the second try. It may not be the fifth try, but everyone has light at the end of that tunnel. When so it comes so to, to that point, what, what, yeah. when you see what's going on in the streets here, particularly in Los Angeles, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that this is an unwinnable war unless the people who move the money really start to fucking have the courage to come out from behind the curtain of, well, we're just going to build facilities for them to move into and we'll just make housing. And it's I, like, I spoke no, to no, somebody, no, I spoke to somebody no, on, no. on Saturday, I spoke to somebody from path, which is the group that puts them into these, you know, these housing systems. And, and she goes, you know, but we're finding, we, we put them in and it's, it's just not over then. They, they still go back out and they said they burn the place down. And they're still, I'm like, yes, you're running a hospital. You're running a fucking psychiatric hospital 
without doctors and nurses. Social workers, they are wonderful. They are not trained to manage sick illness, people that are not well. You need doctors and nurses. And she looked at me like, oh, my God. Like like an enlightenment. <gasps> You're right. Who do, who do I contact for this? I'm like I gave her some referrals. I like, get the doctors in there. You have to do this. I had an unbelievable financial support network in that I grew up in a very affluent neighborhood with parents that loved me. Parents are still together. I had friends and family all around me that were pushing me to help me in any way they could. My dad would write a check whenever I fucked up. He would write a check to put me into a, a, a recovery facility all over the country, okay? Yep. And it was still fucking impossible to yeah. stay clean. Yeah. And you're going to try to solve this problem of people living on the streets in feces, like, oh, we'll just give them a place to get a nice cup of coffee and a meal and things are going to be fine. It's like, no, no, no. All the money you're spending on building facilities, take that in triple fold and build recovery facilities yes. for people that want to get clean. That's right. With community based, yeah, community based, subacute. This is not incarceration. It's not committing people. It is helping people. My last thing before before we kind of wrap everything up. Uh, what do you make of the Danny Masterson thing? I think it's really strange. And then, and then Mila Kunis, who's the, the the nicest woman on earth. I got to stick up. I got to stick up for. Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, because yeah. I know where what it looks like. There are people who are talking about how they've always been charitable and they've always been giving back to the community, but now they're going to write a letter in defense of this fucking guy who's a, a monster. Let us be clear, just like with the Bill Cosby thing, where like uh, the patriarchy let Bill Cosby out of jail. No, had nothing to do with whether he was guilty or not. It had to do with a judge had an ego and unsealed a sealed deposition yeah and that he he skated on that yeah neil kunis and ashton kutcher had no desire to try to get him off the hook neil kunis and ashton kutcher had danny masterson's parents reach out to them and say would you write a sealed letter to the judge talking about the character of danny not whether or not he's guilty just what you know of him as a person we are trying to put together for our defense. This has this will never be released. The witness, the 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 the, the uh, victims, the defendant. None, no one will have any access to it. This is for the judge, for him. Like the, you would write a recommendation to get a kid into college. Yes, they did so, not knowing at all like it would have any bearing on what the public or the victims would think about right. Danny Masterson. Right. They just wrote a letter about like what their experience was with him and what type of guy he is. Yep. Now it gets leaked to the public and they're look made to look like monsters. That's not that's not the case. That's that's wildly unfair, in my opinion. Well, I understand how it looks bad, but plus I, I've known Mila Kunis since she was a teenager. She is one of the most genuine, delightful, honest, caring. I she I can't say enough good about that one. I, I never really knew Ashton, but the fact that he's with her tells me yeah. there's something good about him. And uh, to be attacking a good person for trying to be helpful of a friend, even though they, you know, they they weren't trying to get him off, they weren't trying to diminish the complaint of the victim. They were just 
like you said, responding to the parents in a desperate situation, to a friend. These same people that are attacking him are all about loyalty and friendship and all that too. Like, you, you, yeah. you. It's like, oh, come on. And and it's look and let people's history speak for itself a little bit, which is that this woman particularly, I mean Mila. You ask anybody about her, and you will hear the same thing I'm telling you. Sam, uh, who's Ashton Kutcher, by the way? I don't know the guy. I never met the guy. But uh, I do know people that worked on Two and a Half Men. Um, and, and I do know he's balling, way more balling than people understand because of his investments yes. in tech and stuff like yes. that. Like like Oprah balling. Yes. And he gives extraordinary amounts of money to charity yeah. and and is hands-on. And yeah. Here's another thing I heard about Ashton Kutcher that really – like blew my mind he has a twin brother with cerebral palsy oh interesting and some i saw some documentary some like cheesy e television documentary about ashton and one of the guys who went to high school with him said that uh ashton kutcher would get invited to parties and he would get invited for sleepovers when they were like in fifth grade and shit and he'd say i'm not coming unless my brother can come with me yeah well there you go and uh, please people consider the source it just this knee jerk response is it's it's not just infantile it's disgusting it just just consider the source consider the context consider what people are doing what their intent is for god's sakes and who they are and what they've done it, it matters so i don't know please everybody. well and people listen here's another thing never more so than now do we not know shit like, because we get a lot of stories. A lot of times, the the official story, it's all fucking wrong. Yes. Because the internet, there's no kind of, like, barrier of entry to internet journalism. We're reading a bunch of stories. We don't really know well, what's going on. And almost no fucking clue what's it, really going on. And when it applies to public figures, it's always distorted. And it's, <laughs> and it's always, the other thing, it's never what the public figure themselves says. It's what somebody says they said. That's what everyone reacts to. Yeah. So just, just, you know... Stop it! That that is really a disgusting behavior. We on a, on a lower level. Here's a here's a good example. Uh, we'll we'll finish. That. Like, I went with my wife. By the way, I was with my wife, and we were hanging with other celebrities. And there was a very famous female celebrity there, and we were walking, okay, at this like night out. Yeah. And there was, uh, tabloids caught pictures of me, and it's like fill in the blanks new hot bo- boyfriend. <laughs> Out on the town, and I I was there with my wife, and <laughs> but because I was having this conversation with this hot celebrity female, yeah, it was like so you know it just goes to show you that's a very uh, obviously a non threatening example, but it just goes to show like how little there's truth being spewed out there. There's you know? fake news everywhere. There's hoaxes everywhere. They just want your eyes. They just want the advertiser money. They have no interest in the truth. None. You got to find that for yourselves. And in in pursuing the truth, you have to not have those stupid, self righteous, knee jerk reactions. Mike, thank you for being with me this week. Let's uh, figure out my a way pleasure. to do this on a regular basis, my friend, with calls and videos and interactions and all kinds of stuff. Let's bring back Loveline. You Keep live. It. Blow up the internet. You live. All right, my friends. We'll see you next time. Mahalo. See what hit blockbusters are streaming free this month during Popcorn Summer Movies on Pluto TV. Watch Django Unchained or Transformers Dark of the Moon for an action-packed evening or The Truman Show and School of Rock for a good laugh with the whole family. Plus, Pluto TV has thousands of other free movies 
available on live and on demand. Download Pluto TV on all your favorite devices for free and start streaming now.